that person would say, oh, wow, this is a great conversation. And you're like, I would love to have more of these types of conversations. You know why? This is where I'm heading. I would love to learn more about where you're heading. Let's keep an open dialogue. That's the first date. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, potentially, you earn a second date. And then you build that relationship. And then before you know it, this could be a lifelong friend and mentor. Yeah. And in that situation, you may even be giving them something that they're getting out of the relationship. Hi, Keiichi. Welcome back to another episode of Blooming Crisis. Always a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, I remember you felt a little under the weather last time, but hopefully you're feeling better. I'm feeling much better. I'm definitely very happy to be here. Happy to see you and continue having our conversations. I've been looking forward to this one, especially. Awesome. Yeah, me too. So I know that today we are going to talk about what we need to know about mentorship because I know that a lot of people and especially younger people when they starting out are not really sure what they want or what will be best for them. Are they going on the right path? So I think that this topic will be very helpful, mm -hmm. not only just for our listeners, but I think that I will also learn a lot from you. So very excited to have you today again. And just want to quickly share a little bit about my reflection after the last episode when we did on experiential learning, because when I was editing that episode and then I listened to our conversation again, it made me actually reflect on what I can do better to help my team at Blooming Crisis turn this opportunity when they work with me to make it a true experiential learning opportunity for them so that they can benefit from it as much as possible. So thank you for sharing your insights last time. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thank you. Glad it went well. I think there's a lot of stuff we talked about, uh, organic growing conversations. So uh, yeah. I imagine that we'll probably talk more about it in future episodes as well. Right. Exactly. So mentorship, what is it? And why is it so important to have? Can you share? Absolutely. I usually always use my usual disclaimer about providing my perspective from my own experiences and how mentorship has been impactful for me. And I think I would like to even start by defining mentorship. And sometimes people conflate coaching and management with mentorship. I do think that mentorship is something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I do think that mentorship is something that's a little bit more instructive. It's usually provided by somebody who's been there before and has context for a specific situation that you're looking to navigate or surmount or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So mentorship is really about tapping into someone who's been there before, if that makes sense. Versus something like coaching, where coaching is really just where you're sharing information with somebody and they're helping you to sort of uncover how you feel about the situation, mm -hmm. different ways to think about the situation. And it's a little bit more almost like therapy. It's almost more about them not being more instructive, like, hey, you should do this or you should do that. And it's more of, hey, you should think about this differently. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? So that's more like coaching. Coaching, you want to lead people to a solution. You don't want to lead them to the solution. You kind of want to provide them a framework to figure it out on their own, if that makes sense. So that's coaching. Mm -hmm. And that's also sometimes what you do as a manager. And I think as a manager, it's a balance of coaching and mentorship. Got it. Mentorship is a little bit more instructive. Mentorship mm -hmm. is a little bit more, hey, I'm trying to accomplish task X. You have done task X before. What did you do to accomplish it? Mm -hmm. And then as the mentee, you're gleaning from that person from that anecdote or from that story, things that you can do yourself. Because I think the most important thing about mentorship is you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're aware. As a sentient being, you're aware that you, there's a gap in your knowledge in a specific area. And so you may proactively seek out some information to help you understand that area. But just think about the stuff in that area that you don't know. You don't even know the things in that area that you don't know about, <laughs> right? Like there's so many things that you're just unaware of. You do need people to help illuminate those things where you may not fully understand it, but they even help you to understand the scaffolding of the things that you don't know. And then you can potentially have your own self-discovery and navigate it, or they can come in and help you navigate it, right? Mm -hmm. So to kind of resummarize, mentorship is a little bit more instructive for somebody who's been there. And we'll talk a little bit about how you can intentionally seek that out. But mentorship is really important and it's something that 
for you to be a highly effective leader or operator in whatever field that you're in, you can't do that by yourself. You know, those people who say they're self-made millionaires or self-made entrepreneurs, it's poppycock, right? It doesn't make sense. They all have to have mentors and supporters, right? Absolutely. Everything all of us have done, there is something we're tapping into mm -hmm. to help create the building block. So shine a light on the path. And that comes in many different ways. And mentorship is really important because some of us are brilliant. Some of us may have ideas. But if you don't even know the steps to take those ideas and help to materialize them into something tangible, mm -hmm. then you'll just be a smart person with a lot of potential that does deliver. So mentorship really helps to give you that, right? It's more instructive when you're a true student versus coaching, I think is a little bit different. So I just wanted to make sure that that distinction is clear because there is a differentiation and I did my best to explain it, but I can go into more detail, but there is a clear distinction. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was not aware that there was that distinctive differences between coaching and mentoring. And also, as you mentioned about, it could also be different from management, but I'm questioning whether a manager should always be a mentor because shouldn't they be the one who provide instructions? That's a good question. That's the key question. And that's the mm -hmm. question that every manager, both new and old, should be revisiting depending on the person who you're working with. Mm. I've had a lot of mentors and coaches and the language has always been the same. Not everyone can be managed the same style. Everyone has different management styles in terms of being managed and also managing. So that balance between mentorship and coaching, there is an equilibrium that exists where it's not necessarily equal, but there's a balance that you have to strike with different people. So some people respond well to where, you know, you really draw everything out, provide them with an outline and walk them through it. That's a little bit more of like the mentorship, like you're really like clearly showing them the steps mm -hmm. and then you walk with them and then they get it versus other people prefer to the coaching approach where you give them an unstructured problem and they jump into it and then they come to you and then you redirect them, but you're more hands off. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best explanation. Coaching tends to be a little bit more hands off. So in coaching, you're asking the person more questions versus when you're a mentor, you're telling them something, you're directing them towards something. So for example, I'll give you me as an example. Mm -hmm. I like to be managed mm -hmm. using the coaching approach. I like to figure things out myself. The self-discovery is what gives me motivation. It's what helps to build confidence. I don't like to be given each step. But there are certain situations where I need that, where I have no idea what I'm doing. And so what will tend to happen is I'll go in, I'll make a mess of it, and then I will need the wherewithal to be like, okay, I'm going to need you to mentor me through this specific situation because I really just don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then in that situation, I would get some mentorship, then get some clear understanding of what's happening. And then I'll be like, all right, you can go away now. I'll figure it out. So to be a manager, you need to figure out that balance and you need to not have a bias in how you do it. You need to respond to the person you're managing and really figure out how to have those conversations with them because you could end up in situations where you're putting a lot of energy into someone when potentially you don't have to. You just need to coach. You just need to ask questions. Okay, you need this decision. Why? Well, because I thought this and this and that. Okay, but what information did you take to make that decision? Because it seems that the place where you're getting the information is wrong, which is what led to bad outcomes. Maybe try a different source of information. Or maybe then in, a, in that moment, here, try this that I've done before. Go figure it out and see if it works. And then they'll come back and be like, oh my God, it worked. Or it didn't work, but through working it out, I saw a different way of thinking about it and then they can figure it out. Mm -hmm. So imagine in that situation, if you could be more laissez-faire, then you get to the good outcome versus if you're so instructive and that person loses out on that experience of figuring out something that gave them a new muscle or gave them a new perspective. So it's a ever living, breathing, changing process. Mm -hmm. Not to use cliche terms, but leadership is not a destination. It's a process. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, high performing executives have mentors and coaches. It is a very prescriptive formula for people in positions of high volume work or high stress or big portfolios. Always have coaches. They always have mentors. You will generally not be as successful as you can be without that. And that's a statement that I can make from my perspective as categorical. It's just like a thing that you need to do yeah. because it helps you humble yourself. And the people who are really smart are the people who are constantly mm -hmm. questioning what they know. And so they're very comfortable saying, I don't know, yeah. but I'm going to find out. And even for what you do know, you're constantly questioning it. So yeah. all levels you should be learning, but go back to answer your question. Yes, as a manager, it is not a very clear formula, but you just have to understand the levers and then how to pull them. And there's other elements of managing. 
empathy and Mm -hmm. active listening. But I think that's all baked into coaching and mentorship, in my opinion, because in order to be a good coach, you have to listen Mm -hmm. and understand the next question to ask to take them more on that journey. To be a good mentor, you have to listen well and communicate well to really understand what the person's looking for and then glean from your experience the right anecdote, the right situations to pull to help them at that point in their lives. Mm-hmm. The type of mentorship that doesn't work is when you just tell people your own story and expect other people to fit into the framework that was best for you. Everyone has different levels of privilege. Everyone has different opportunities. Everyone has different ass, uh, resources. Everyone has different exogenous factors, external factors that affect them. It's not one size fits all. So mm-hmm. that was a long-winded answer to say it's not a clear answer. It's something that you just need to be aware of and then consistently pull those levers to find the right balance, depending on the person who you're talking to. Yeah, no, I think it makes total sense. And uh, if I understand it correctly, I think that coaching is more about helping people find their purpose and why they do what they do, to dig deep in the motivation behind the actions and really truly understand themselves, which I can also relate to what you're saying about having the autonomy in what you do. Like I am also someone who likes to have that autonomy for myself so that I can make mistakes. I can explore different parts of me and test out different things that I want to do and know which works best for me through doing it myself versus mentorship sounds to me like it's going to be there to help you provide you the tools, like shorten the gap for you and bridge the knowledge gap that you don't know about certain things that you really want to pursue or learn more about something. And for managers, I guess that they don't necessarily be the right mentor all the time because someone may actually want to pursue a completely different career path. So their role would probably to just inspire their employees, right, to find the mentor that will be more suitable for them for what they actually want to pursue rather than trying to mold someone into something that are not necessarily meant to be for them. Precisely, precisely. So I participated in this program called the McKinsey Black Executive Leadership Program, which, by the way, for anyone who's has the opportunity to do it, it was fantastic. It was a mix of learning about coaching, mentorship, a bunch of different things. And there was a guest speaker, and I wish I could have had the name so I could properly give them credit. But they said something really powerful to me. They said, everyone needs their board of directors. To go through your life, you need your board of directors. So like, you know, when you have a company and you're, you know, the founder, the CEO, you have a board who you work with to make decisions, right? And people sometimes wonder, if it's my company, why am I bringing other people who can question me, who can block things I want to do? Well, the reason why is because you bring people in a board to compliment you, but also to fill in gaps where you don't understand certain things, right? So you may bring in somebody who has really strong accounting, somebody who's strong marketing, somebody who's strong within a certain demographic, whatever it might be, right? And that allows you to be more effective in driving the purpose of the organization. So think about you as a person. It's like, what am I trying to achieve? What are the elements of success? So figuring out what those are and then filling in people in your life to do that. So what you said is very powerful because if you're lucky, it might come from one person. But generally, you do need different perspectives to get a more well-rounded worldview because everyone has bias. And bias sometimes has a negative term, but bias is a scientific terminology, right? It just means that there's historical or prior things that influence the way you think and the way you react. So it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just a reality. And so somebody who's mentoring you may have a particular bias to the directive information that they're passing on to you. With a coaching, based on the previous description, art of coaching is to almost eliminate that bias. It's to almost even help you identify your own bias. It's like the more questions you're getting people to dig. So with mentorship, with it being more instructive, it is natural that the mentor's bias will creep into the recommendation, which is fine because that's what they have to offer. So the more perspectives, the more diversity of thought and diversity of experience and diversity of even delivery mechanism is key to having better outcomes. I truly believe that in most aspects of life, diversity of information generally leads to better outcomes. Yeah. And the reason why is because you just have more variables to play with. And so you can test things, try things, and then you can find a better solution. Like when you're building a model, right? You want all the variables so you can put them in and find out which one's important. Versus if you just have one source of information, you're potentially going to have a lot of blind spots. And you won't even know you have the blind spots. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where I was talking about you don't know what you don't know, right? And so I think the consistent and persistent pursuit to uncover that is, I think, something that people should aspire to and should be a very important value system, not just professionally, but personally. And this goes into a range of topics. But yes, I completely agree with where you're coming from. At different points in time in your life, there may be people you latch onto who are mentors for you, but you can also try different things and kind of piece that together. And I can give you more context mm-hmm. in terms of that board of directors analogy, because it was really powerful. That actually reminds me of my second role as BBC Senior Leadership Team Advisor, because that's exactly the purpose of why my company had this initiative to bring diversity of thoughts from people of diverse background like myself, who's much younger in the career, to advise our top senior leadership team Mm -hmm. in the decision-making process. Because on the one hand, to your point, the leaders also don't know what they don't know, right? So oftentimes our top leaders are removed from what's going on in the weeds. And I'm someone who's like super in the weeds and I can provide that context as well as my knowledge of someone who actually came to America from Vietnam and navigating through her career through working in different countries and working with different teams at the BBC. And that way, it creates this ecosystem of diversity of thoughts in the decision-making process, which I think is actually something that I feel very proud of about my company, that they brought forward this initiative. And it's been showing the positive impact. Well, congrats to the BBC for that. It's smart and... I'm sure it has good outcomes. Even without knowing, it has good outcomes because, like to your point, the diversity of thought allows them to have a perspective. And then now that's a variable that they can use to make decisions. And whether or not they take your opinion or not doesn't even matter. As long as your opinion is considered next to other opinions and in situations where your opinion may be more relevant, it would behoove them to potentially prioritize the perspective of somebody who actually knows what they're talking about because they have that lived experience. I'm not going to sit here and argue that just because someone has a certain lived experience that their opinion is more valuable than others. But if I have to weigh things, which is the reality of the natural universe, it probably has more weight because experience matters. Yeah, And that's where the more we pass on those experiences, the more smarter we all are. So that way I don't have to live your experience. You can share yours and now I have that information and now I can reference that. Right. Just highlight the other side of mentorship, which I think that many people don't talk about it enough is mentor up, right? Because mm. I think that oftentimes we talk about how someone who has already walked the path and mentor someone else who's still new to that path versus On the other hand, there's another scenario when someone who's new to what they do, but they can bring the experience to someone else who's maybe more senior, but don't have that experience or that background or that understanding of maybe cultural differences or life experience, generational gap. So I think that highlights the other parts of mentoring that I think it goes both ways. And I think that we should allow younger people to also feel more empowered to have the ability to use what they know to mentor up. Yeah. Because I think it benefits both ways. That's a very interesting thought and it's a provocative thought. I think it makes sense rationally to me. I think some people may question that. They may say, well, because they're younger, they've had less experience. So what do they have to offer me? I've lived it. I've been there. I've seen there. I've done that. But then here's the thing. Here's the situation. For somebody who has gone through life and potentially has gone through experiences that they may be having conversations about, well, you went through those experiences with different contexts, potentially in a different environment. And so, for example, let's say you're a leader who's going to be managing other people who are going to be navigating that same experience. Now you have a bias because now you're like, okay, well, this is the way things need to be done. Mm -hmm. And potentially you're getting bad outcomes because people are not responding to it when you don't even know (laughs) that the context has shifted. Yeah, the inputs are different, right? The inputs are different. (laughs) Like you don't know this And, and you may be smart and you may have a lot to offer and your experience is very valuable. But the reality is other perspectives should always be considered. And I think that what the BBC is doing with, for example, with like your role, that's smart. Something I try to do with my role, I've started from the bottom to where I am now. I started as an intern (laughs) in the same company all the way to leading. Remember those days. Yeah, all the way to leading a practice. And so you can see how my ego may lead me to believe, well, the analyst experience is X, Y, and Z. But even though it wasn't terribly long ago, 
I am so separated from that now. My context is a little bit foggy. You're at a different stage of your life. Yeah. I'm a different stage of my life, but also I haven't been an analyst for years. Yeah. So it would be weird for me to say, oh, we should try it this way. And I'm like, no, it has to be this way because that's how I did it. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, you know, I try not to think of myself as too old, but I remember when I was an analyst, we were using... But there's still this generational gap. <laughs> you will be surprised. The, well, there, there's a, of course, there's a gap, right? And so, for example, we use like tools, like to kind of speaking in technological terms, build analysis, we use tools like SPSS and SAS. And for anyone who is an analyst, it's they'll laugh, right? Because people do not use that anymore. Even though I use some of the new tools throughout my career, sure. But now they're using R and Python. Yeah. And like no one has used SAS in <laughs> in a while. I mean, it's still around. People barely use SPSS. Mm-hmm. My point is, that's why I need to kind of refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. And to your point about mentoring up, I do think there's an element of humility to work with other folks who, you know, at different points in their lives may have something to offer you. And a really important point that I think is personal, I learn from teaching. I master my craft better from imparting knowledge to other people. And so when you mention young people and the opportunity for them to learn, imagine the opportunity for them to not only share with their peers, but to also share with their leaders. That allows them to challenge their thoughts, challenge their beliefs, challenge their skills, challenge what they're doing. And I believe become even better at it. So I think the act of teaching, the act of sharing knowledge, I do think helps people to be a little bit more, to have stronger roots in the subject matter. Mm -hmm. And so mentoring up is, you know, you brought it up and I'm like, it's not something that people actively think about more. You know, usually you think of mentorship as the old soul who's been there, done that, imparting knowledge as the youngins, but it goes both ways. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, and I agree with you on the part when you mentioned that teaching allows you to learn better because you have to master the materials before you teach someone else. Yes. So that's why in everything that I do, I always want to bring the knowledge together from different people that I know or share what I learned for myself to other people because it's not just me preaching quote unquote it's also for me to really absorb what I learned for myself mm-hmm. so the information retained in my memory so if I make a mistake and I have learned from it and I share my lesson learned with other people it allows me to remember my lesson even more mm-hmm. And that's something that we can all do in our companies as well, right? Because, for example, what I brought up another initiative that I have at my company is to create this study group platform for people who are starting out in their career, like our account coordinators or planners, to have this platform to share what they know, what they learn with each other. And that way... They learn from shared knowledge, which is very powerful, in my opinion. Everyone can be a mentor for someone else, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, you mentioned employee resource groups. Such a great way to maximize on the community that you've already built when you have an organization. It's almost the intentional acknowledgement of the diversity of your organization. And I think Mindshare as well, the company I work for, they do a good job of that. So we have, for example, like The Collective, which is looking at LGBTQ issues and looking at diversity issues. And so you have people at different levels. You have a manager hosting sessions that executive directors and managing directors and different people are joining and learning and things that they didn't know, new terminology, new you know schools of thought, you know, new opportunities. Obviously, there's an angle because we're a business where it's about how can we connect with our customers and consumers and clients a little bit better by understanding culture. But From a mentorship standpoint, I think that that's important because you need those quote unquote younger or even not necessarily younger, but just even when you're at a certain point in your life, the perspective for people who are different points in on the age spectrum is important. People on different points of the gender spectrum is important. People on the quote unquote color spectrum is important, Mm. you know? So I think that that's something that I've observed within Mindshare as well. And I think is really cool. One more thing I would bring up is, as we're talking about this, and I know we mentioned we're going to talk about the how, but it's something I wanted to call out now. Mentorship doesn't necessarily have to be so in a box, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people think of a mentor, it's, you know, we meet up once a month, every two months, and we have a meeting and we talk about stuff. It can be a little bit more fluid, right, in terms of how it happens. Mm -hmm. And it can even potentially even happen in a group setting. So, for example, if you're imparting knowledge to, let's say, five people at the same time, and you're all talking and you're all conversing and 
that could be a form of mentorship in that setting. And it could happen spontaneously. It could happen mm -hmm. in a scheduled fashion. I do think that it's important to have something a little bit more intentional. So scheduled and freshing and, and meeting. That's always great, but it could be a little bit different. So that's another point I want to throw out is mentorship is not one dimensional. Yeah. We've even talked about the economy between mentorship and coaching. Sometimes people conflate the two. But, you know, I think that there's within mentorship itself, there's variety within that pillar. Right. So something cool. And I like the fact that you brought up the concept of upward mentorship. I do think that that's really interesting. And I think it's something people need to think about more. Yeah. So what do you think makes a good mentor? Like, how do we know if someone is suitable for us and whether we are suitable for them? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a tough question. <laughs> Maybe like your own experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, to answer these types of questions, I like to draw on my own experience And maybe try and find some truths that I've learned, I guess, and then maybe use that to kind of form my worldview on it. I do think that a good mentor needs to have some level of willingness. They have to want to do it. I know that sounds very obvious, but there are those right. situations where, for example, and it happens a lot in professional settings where the company sets up a mentee program. <laughs> and then you're like meeting with this person mm -hmm. every month or every quarter. Your, your heart's heart not, is not in, in it, it, you know? <laughs> And that's what I'm trying to get at, right? I do think that there has to be some sort of value exchange. And I know that sounds weird because it sounds a little bit selfish, but I think that the mentor has to see something in it for themselves as well. And I think that human beings are just generally self-interested and it manifests in many different ways, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. So I do think that if the mentor-mentee relationship is purely transactional in terms of you give me information, you give me knowledge... So we meet once a month and you just tell me about your old war stories and give me information. I do think that will become a little bit stale. So I think for the mentor, when you're looking to find a good match, I do think there needs to be some level of chemistry in terms of value exchange. Yeah, there's a value exchange in terms of when they're teaching you, they're also learning something because you're talking about experiences you're having that help them to communicate better with other people potentially in their life or in their organization that might be in the same situation you're in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Right? So I think that even when you're talking to, when you're interviewing mentors or feeling it out, I do think that the mentee also does have a responsibility as well to sort of give that mm -hmm. back to the mentor and be like, hey, I'm going to learn a lot from you, but here's the journey you're taking me on is a journey that you're on as well. And here's the potential value for you. And I do think that's really important. So I feel like I just spoke at it from both sides, but I do think that's a really important element in that relationship. No, I think that you're absolutely right because the very first mentor that I am having now is someone who I know that he has told me that he loves talking to me because he learns from me every single time when we talk. And it makes me realize that, oh, you know, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I didn't know that my quote-unquote mentor, even though the relationship has never really established as, you know, mentor-mentee, but I think that we both know that we bring something to the table for each other. And frankly, I think that it has to be a win-win situation for both the mentor and the mentee. Mm. And the mentee in this sense, actually mentoring up, And I think that it's a two-way street. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. But I think that it's also very important for us to talk about the how, right? Because I think that many people know how important having a mentor is. But very few people know how. And I know that I myself struggle to find a mentor for a very long time. And not until recently. And to be honest, my direct manager now is someone who I consider my mentor. But I struggled to find a mentor for a very long time because I never knew how. Mm -hmm. And the relationship that I have now with my mentor, it happened very organically. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if you have any tips or advice to help younger people or people who are looking to have mentors, what should they do? Yeah, I can draw a lot from my experience to kind of answer this. And I can probably talk for a long time on this. Love it. It all goes back to that first episode that we had. Yeah, about intentionality. <laughs> intentionality. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's the how. Intention, right? Don't have a mentor for mentor's sake, basically. <laughs> People give speeches and they talk about the power of mentorship. So you're like, oh, you know what? I need a mentor. So I'm going to go find myself a mentor. I'm going to reach out to this person. I'm going to meet with them weekly, blah, 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 blah. So I do think there's some value in that because I always champion taking action and manifesting things into reality and just starting and then figuring things out. That's important. But I do think it's very important to interrogate what you're using it for. And I think the analogy I would go back to is that board of directors analogy. So the intention there is, all right, I know X, Y, and Z about myself at this point in time. 
And based on that, and based on who I am and what I'm trying to achieve, these are the goals I'm trying to get at. Then you start mapping out, okay, how am I going to get to those goals? What are the things I'm going to do? Me, myself, what am I going to do? And then you're like, I don't have access to this door, or I'm going to have to scale this wall, or I'm going to have to climb this hill, and I'm not even sure how to do it. So let me find resources to who may be able to help to open those doors or potentially advise me on how to navigate those different obstacles. And I think that intentionality of building your board of directors, even from a very young age, because again, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself the question, right? What am I trying to do over the span of my lifetime? And if you want to maximize your productivity, you have to be extremely intentional on how you approach your life. And this is me speaking from my perspective. So if I want to reach a certain level in industry, for you to be at a certain level at a certain age, you're going to have to make certain types of progress. You're going to have to break certain walls. You're going to have to get certain positions. And so you're not going to get that just by going by yourself. You're going to need to talk to certain people. So, for example, me personally, it didn't always happen completely intentionally, but it was something that I was always seeking out for. When it comes to even personal finances, I always reach out to people and ask people who I know either work in that field or something, you know, how do I navigate this? What should I be investing in? How should I do my 401k? Blah, 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 blah. When it comes to effective communication, I remember I had a an old boss where she was my boss, but then she didn't really impact my day-to-day as much, but she was more laissez-faire in terms of her management style. But I always come to her with anecdotes of different conversations that I had and ask her, how would you have handled this? Mm. And she loved that. A little bit weird at first because she was like, I love our conversations because it seems like you always come with an issue and a problem. You've thought about how you'd handle it, but you always ask me for my opinion. And I really appreciate that. Mm. But what she didn't know is I was intentionally gleaning from her that knowledge because she was such a great communicator. And in my head, I'm like, I know that I'm a good communicator, but she's damn good. And I really want to be like her. And I want to know how she navigates these different situations. So I would intentionally use our one-on-ones, not to talk about the job, like the tasks. I would use it just to talk about how to communicate, how to navigate certain situations, how to do the politics. Yeah. And that became our relationship. So she became my mentor specifically for that element of my professional development. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes to practical skills, there's people who I tapped into mm-hmm. in terms of certain types of knowledge. So for example, my current boss, he's very knowledgeable mm-hmm. of the space, of the MarTech industry and infrastructure and environment. And so when we have conversations, it's more around that. What are your thoughts on this topic? What are your thoughts on identity? What are your thoughts on this acquisition by this company? What are your thoughts on this vendor? And these are all questions that I need to answer to do my job. And so for him, we're just having a conversation and he loves it and he responds well to it. But for me, it's a very intentional conversation. And I'm not trying to make it seem like all my conversations are engineered or whatever. It's just the dynamic that you build over time. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm having these conversations, I know that there's something I want to learn. And I'm just having a conversation, but I'm making sure I hit those points. I'm making sure to ask those questions. And sometimes whenever I go into a meeting, I have like one or two questions. I'm like, I know before we end this conversation, I just want to make sure I ask these two questions because there's something that's coming back from it. Mm -hmm. So my point is I've been very intentional in terms of when I identify people who have something that fits a gap that I have or fits something that I'm trying to improve or something that's in the short term very important to me. I intentionally set up that board of directors around me. Mm -hmm. One thing I did learn, though, recently is when I did that McKinsey course, is I realized that I was very one-dimensional in how I was setting up my board of directors. There's so many other areas that you can focus on or you can have access to that I wasn't touching into because I was just focusing on the things I thought were important that were working for me, that I was seeing progress, I was moving up, Mm -hmm. but there's so much more. And then once I started to open that up, I unlocked this new level of things that now I'm engaging in that I wasn't before, that I wasn't even thinking about that I always kind of wanted to do and I would always kind of talk about it but I never took those intentional steps so then for example I have a mentor or someone who I talked to about starting a business what that means and what the implications are and you know I had two mentors for this one was a guy I used to work with who had his own LLC and he would do all this stuff on the side and I always wondered what are you doing I would sit and I would talk to him. We'd have lunch together and I'd just ask him questions. And I'm just talking. But I was learning from this guy. He knew it after a while and he loved to do it because he loved to share. And then once I got a little bit you know, more recent in my life, I started to ask questions from people who built businesses and stuff. And then now I'm starting stuff on my own. And so that concept of the board of directors is really important because you set your intentionality, you set your goal, you know what you're heading towards. I feel like for me personally, I organically go and seek it out. I don't go to someone like, hey, can you be my mentor? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's fine if you do that. I think it's totally fine. But for me personally, I establish what we were talking about before. I establish that value exchange. There's a friendship value exchange. 
There's a quality of conversation value exchange. Yeah. There's a intentional acknowledgement of that person's expertise, which feels good for everyone. When you tell someone after you have a conversation, you know what? You taught me a lot. And here's how I implemented the things that we talked about. And here's how I took the framework that we discussed and put it into motion. That is that value exchange going back to the mentor, right? Yeah. Versus you just coming and just being like, hey, teach me, teach me, teach me. No, you're telling them, you know, that framework or that thought process that you gave me, it's golden. It's amazing. Or even that recommendation you gave me didn't work. (laughs) And here's why it didn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a lively exchange. You know why? Now you're challenging their worldview. You're challenging the way they look at things. And it's done respectfully, obviously. Yeah. But I feel like any good progress comes from challenging things, right? Yeah. That captures a lot of good points. I think that it's powerful that you mention intentionality again, because I do agree that it should be the first thing in everything that we do. Always think about why we need this, why we are doing this, so that we can figure out the pieces that come next. And there's another element to it is to be proactive, right? We need to be proactive and not everyone's going to respond to us the way that we want to hear back. Some may say yes, some may say no, but you have to be proactive in seeking and also to show them the value exchange. I think that showing is always more powerful than telling. If you just ask someone to be your mentor, you have to kind of insert your level of empathy into understanding what they are thinking. If you were in their shoe, what were going through their mind? Because obviously there may be many other people who also want their mentor. So why should they be the mentor for you versus someone else? And I think to have that level of empathy in action and understanding what the other person is looking for in you, what you can bring to the table and show that, I think is very important. That The point that you bring up here is very important in talking about the how, because I do think there's some cultural, societal approaches that work better. So for example, what you mentioned, so you know, we all have LinkedIn or most people have a LinkedIn. And every now and then, I'm sure you've experienced this, somebody will message you, hey, it'll be great to set up a coffee to chat about the marketing industry. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm very busy. And again, I've stated this very clearly. I love to converse and share, but (laughs) I have to be very judicious about my time because I have not just my professional environment. I have the things I'm doing outside of my core job. And then I have my family. And then I have like my free time. So I just don't have time to just like chat randomly with people right so the intentionality of just reaching out to someone and saying hey can you talk to me about this or whatever it could work but it's a little bit tone deaf in my opinion you know what you just said was really important put yourself in that person's shoes Mm -hmm. this person has x y and z information that i'm trying to get access to which is valuable right or else you wouldn't be reaching out to them for it Mm -hmm. now what can i do to make their interaction with me valuable to them as well or to potentially insert myself into their schedule or into their lives in a way that is seamless or frictionless. And then once you get that entry point, then from there you develop that relationship and then maybe establish something more formal or ongoing. Mm -hmm. But the very kind of like, oh, just let me set up time and you're just going to talk to me and tell me about the, I feel like that's a little bit tone deaf. And it's a little bit, if I may, selfish, maybe. It's not impactful. Yeah, it's a little weird, right? So if we're throwing a tangible scenario and there's a person on LinkedIn in a certain industry that you're in or that you're trying to get into and you're trying to establish a mentee-mentor relationship, potentially in the future. And also don't be presumptuous. It's like any relationship, right? You don't go to you know, someone on a dating platform and it's like, all right, we're meeting on Friday and we're going to be dating in three months. And yeah. you know, it's, it's a little weird to establish. <laughs> I love that example. No, I think it goes back to, you know, really respect everyone's time. And on the other hand, you kind of have to sell yourself. Absolutely. Because if you're looking for someone to be your mentor, you must know that other people also looking for that person to be their mentor. Absolutely. That person's valuable. You wouldn't be trying to get in their sphere of influence if they weren't valuable. But, you know, again, value goes in both ways. And I think that's where you also have to recognize the value in yourself. And so in that scenario where you're looking at that person, you're like, I want that person to be my mentor. Then the way you engage with them could be different. Maybe you can speak to a topic that their company is dealing with. I see that you are trying to acquire this company. And I was reading up about this and I saw this really interesting thought, blah, 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 blah. I would love to meet with you and share some of my thoughts on how you could approach the situation and maybe even get your thoughts on this Mm -hmm. other thing that I'm interested in. You better believe that you're going to get that person's attention. And they'll be like, what does this young whippersnapper have to offer? I'm going to listen. I want to know. And then you get that meeting and you wow them with your preparation. 
You wow them with your mastery of that knowledge. You wow them with your confidence and your ability to communicate well, right? And then that person would say, oh, wow, this is a great conversation. And you're like, I would love to have more of these types of conversations. You know why? This is where I'm heading. I would love to learn more about where you're heading. Let's keep an open dialogue. That's the first date. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, potentially, you earn a second date. And then you build that relationship. And then before you know it, this could be a lifelong friend and mentor. Yeah. And in that situation, you may even be giving them something that they're getting out of the relationship. So that upward mentorship, as you mentioned, I really want to challenge people to be go-getters. And I want people to be intentional. And you made a good point. Not everyone's going to respond. But don't give up. Because at the end of the day, it could don't be... Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. They could be really busy at that point in the time. They could be on a really important pitch. They could just had a kid and they just don't have time and they're not getting any sleep. Who knows what's happening in people's lives? Right. But just remember... Remember your intentionality. Remember your board of directors. If it's not that person, it's the next person that you would want if that person wasn't available. And you're very clear and honest about stuff like that. So that kind of scenario I gave you is just my perspective on how I think people can approach it. I think it's entirely possible for there to be a manufactured mentee-mentor relationship where people are seeking out mentees. So there's different sites and different... Many people want to give back. Yeah. So remember that site Meetup, mm-hmm. which was booming a little bit back in the day where you know people have different topics and they'll meet up in a restaurant or like a place. And that could be a good place to find mentees and mentors, right? Mm-hmm. And people would actively go to those places to find that. <laughs> That's another thing you can do. And I've been to a couple of those meetings before, both from looking for a mentor and also looking to engage. So, you know, I think those are places that you can do, but that intentionality is really important. And also the emotional intelligence to approach it in a way where you understand there's a value exchange. And also when you know where you're heading, people will gravitate to that, in my opinion. Yeah. I've seen that happen. They see that they are walking the same path. Yeah, exactly. Or even if it's a different path, they know that you know where you're going. And that's attractive. And people want to be around that. People want to be motivated. Sometimes it's very hard for people to get up in the morning. Very rare that people have their true purpose and are living and breathing it every day. Mm. So when you see someone doing that, it's really damn inspiring. And it can help you to reinvigorate your purpose or maybe even reshape your purpose. And when you're having these conversations, especially if you're a younger person starting out and you're trying to figure out the keys Mm -hmm. to the kingdom, so to speak, and how to navigate things, you really have to understand that you have something to offer. So when this very transactional thing where you have your hands out and you're like, hey, give me knowledge, give me knowledge, it's like go to college and pay for it and get the knowledge there. (laughs) If you're trying to get knowledge from like the street or from people or from just like the environment, you need to sort of offer something. And that could be a conversation that could be a challenge that could be a different point of view. But I personally feel it's really important when thinking about the how is to really understand that there's another person on the other side of that relationship on that exchange and try to put yourself in their shoes, as you said. Yeah, and I think that it's also important when you mention that person can be busy and have a lot of things going on. So I think that we should not discourage people to follow up, right? And mm-hmm. I think that people should follow up yeah. if they haven't heard anything back from the first time because I think that a lot of, you know, especially younger people, when they reach out and they didn't hear back, They may take it on themselves that maybe something's wrong with them. Maybe they are not good enough. But my advice is always to not take things personal because there are so many things happening in everyone's life that we don't know. And I know that I appreciate a follow-up if I forgot to reply (laughs) at the time when I saw the message because I may be in the middle of something. Absolutely. So I think that have the courage to follow up. It also shows that you are someone who is consistent and persistent and it shows your value even further if you know how to follow up effectively, right? Not just follow up for the sake of reminding someone, but how can you communicate the second time when you follow up? Absolutely. And that's a good point because there's been situations where that has happened to me, where someone reached out to me and I'm busy. I see the message, but I, you know, sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't see it. And it's like the third or fourth time they reach out. And people have gotten jobs like that, where at the time I was really busy, but you know, they're looking for, let's say, a manager or senior associate job, and we didn't have one open or we were fine. And then a later point in time, there's a big issue in terms of us finding a manager and a senior associate. And that person follows up right at the right moment. I'm like, oh, here we go. And so I have to be choiceful in where I spend my time. I can't respond to every single message. You know, my LinkedIn inbox is crazy sometimes and even my emails. (laughs) But to your point is really important. That consistency and that determination is really important. And I've done that myself where I've reached out to people and tried to establish that value exchange. And, you know, I was floored when people seemed like they didn't weren't interested. And I'm like, damn, you know, uh, it hurt. But then I kept approaching in yeah. different ways. That's the key word, different way. I didn't just send them a message. Hey, you know, I'm waiting to hear back from you. Like, no, I didn't do that. I took different 
angles. I'm like, okay, three months have passed. Here's what I've done in the meantime. Would be great to talk with you. You know, six months have passed, blah, 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 blah. So they know that you're not just copy and pasting and blasting everybody in your inbox, you know? So I agree with you. Absolutely. We want to encourage people to have tenacity and determination and persistence, but you need to do it with tact. It needs to be artful, right? Everything in your life, I do think, is some form of an art form. Conversation is an art form. The way you push your professional environment is an art form. Agreed. So you need to be, think about it. Like, what's my style? Like, what am I showing this person about myself? Make it personal. Make it personal. Absolutely. It can't just be the same stock email, you know, control V, control V. Like, no, you have to be a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah. And I think it's important to prepare ourselves to think ahead about what the other person is looking for or what they will have to do next. For example, can we be proactive in setting up the time, the place to mm-hmm. meet? Think ahead about what you can do in advance for the potential mentor that you're looking for to become your mentor so that they don't have to do it. So they will see that, oh, this person is very much respectful of my time. So in the long run, if I spend time with this person, I don't have to worry about wasting my time. And I think that's something that everyone should consider and, you know, to respect everyone's time. Absolutely. It's respecting everyone's time, respecting their, you know, you mentioned it before. Other people are looking to this person to be potentially their mentor, right? So you got to compete. So it's respecting the value that they have to offer to you and you're willing to compete for it. Now, I'm not saying that you need to put people on a pedestal. I don't believe that. Like I said, finding the confidence and value in yourself allows you to do this with a little bit more respect and whatever. But, you know, like we mentioned about the first meetup. I love what you mentioned. A time location, I'm going to buy you lunch. I'm going to buy you coffee and a bagel. Even though if you're looking for a new job, maybe you don't have money to spend on lunch, but you know, I'll get you a coffee. Guess what's going to happen? When you get there, the person's going to pay for it anyway. <laughs> right? In the situations where that's happened to me. And even if they don't, just don't take it personal. <laughs> and also don't take it personal because you offered. Yeah. But it's happened to me before where someone's like, hey, I'll buy you coffee, whatever. And once I met with them, I'm like, no, I'm not going to make you pay for my coffee. <laughs> You know, um, like if you want to even take like something to go, go ahead. But I appreciated that respect and approach much more than somebody who just sent me a generic message on LinkedIn. You got to do a little bit more. Yeah. So these are all very great advice. So I am very conscious of our time. And I would like to ask you the last question before we wrap things up. So after we already have a mentor, how do we nurture the relationship? Do you have any quick tips? Yeah, no, that's a good one. And that's where, you know, I mentioned before that there's some level of organic way that you can build a mentorship sort of relationship. In terms of nurturing a relationship, I do think that there's a couple of things. It is usually more effective if you have scheduled or proactive timeline where you guys are meeting up. So if it's just like, hey, I'll text you whenever life happens and then that goes away and it goes to the back of your mind. So if you have something on the calendar, even if it moves, having that in place, I think is really important. So just kind of putting something on and adhering to that. Even in terms of nurturing any relationship, whether professional or personal, one element of nurturing a relationship is communication and really letting the other person know how you feel about what's happening, right? And so I do think it's very important, especially if you're a mentee, is to really be appreciative and remind the person that you're really so grateful for the time that they're taking to give you that knowledge because I think that that helps the relationship. And I'm not talking about pandering to the person or flattering the person. It's just being honest. It's being vulnerable. And I do think that also has a level of confidence because you're basically telling them, I know you're valuable and I'm grateful for that. I'm here getting this knowledge and I appreciate that. And in the other direction, if you're a mentor, I do think it's important to nurture that relationship is prioritize it. Similar to a professional relationship, if you're constantly canceling or moving it around or showing up late, that does show a certain element of I'm not interested. Don't be flaky. (laughs) Yeah, don't be flaky, right? And so I think it's important on both ends. But I think the mentor tends to be in a different position in that relationship. And I think it's important to show them that it's important that you prioritize it. And so you show up. Even if you need to move it and to match your schedule, do that and see if the mentee will respond. And if they do, that shows you something. And so I think if you're like, hey, I'm heading to this meeting, but I'm going to be at this point downtown. You know, I can meet for 15 minutes. Can you meet me here? Yes. Boom. There you go. Mm -hmm. So I think prioritizing predetermined meeting times is really important. 
showing appreciation is really important. I think honesty and vulnerability is really important. You don't want to have conversation with someone where you feel like they're so scripted and they're just coming to get information from you. Have a conversation, establish a relationship. You know, in business, we talk about this. You want to work with people you like. Mm-hmm. I haven't done any research on this. I would assume that people like to mentor people and spend time with people that they enjoy being around. Listen, it's tough. You might be nervous. That person might be really senior and you might really have be starstruck or something. I don't know what scenario this could be. But remember, you are valuable too, you know, and remember that we're all human. And so to nurture the relationship is don't make it weird. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just be chill, like relax and be conversational, but also be intentional and respectful. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are the things that I've seen that have worked on my end. The most important is the prioritization. There's so much going on in our lives. If you really make time and show up, I think that generally helps things to flourish. Yeah. And I think that there's another element to enhancing the relationship by also keep investing in yourself and nurturing yourself. So every time when you meet your mentor, you show something new that Mm -hmm. you just learned or Yeah, because it goes back to the value exchange. We need to show the mentor that they are also growing with us, right? Sure. And they have to actually like doing it. We cannot force someone to mentor us. But the good relationship is when you know that your mentor loves mentoring you. Yeah. (laughs) Not because they have to, but because they love doing it. That's a great point. Yeah. It may not even be directly linked to what they've told you or information they've given you. But I like what you mean in terms of they're seeing the journey. They're entering that journey with you. It's exciting to see. I'm always invigorated by people earlier points in their career. I love to give people little pieces of advice. And sometimes even things that they may not have had access to. Things that when I was at their level, people at my level were not saying and were not as honest and as candid with. And so I love to do that. I love to give people that because it establishes a certain relationship with me where now I know when I come to them, they're going to be a little bit more candid. Because I will be honest with you, especially in a professional setting, there's a dynamic there where out of respect, people will sometimes be more quiet. They may choose their words more carefully. They're going to try their best not to curse and stuff like that. And I respect that and I <laughs> I acknowledge it. But when I disarm myself and I'm more open with them and I tell them, I just left this meeting and it was really tough and I have this issue that I was dealing with. I see them open up and they're like, oh, wow, he's sharing and he's open with me. Let me be more open. So now every time I have conversations. Give people the permission to share. Yeah, it gives them the permission to share. I think that's also really important as a mentor to make people feel comfortable so that that way you can get the most out of that relationship. I generally believe that the more honest you are, the better quality of whatever that interaction. There's more honesty in that interaction. It's usually better, in my opinion. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Speaking of being respectful of everyone's time. (laughs) Sure. I know that you have a lot on your list today, even though it's the weekend. But yeah, I really appreciate you spending your time here today. Personally, I feel like I have been mentored by you (laughs) throughout the whole conversation where we had from the beginning until now. So I really appreciate having you. It's always a pleasure. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I've been learning a lot from you as well. Trust me. (laughs) So I I appreciate these conversations all the time and looking forward to the next one. Thank you so much, Ikechi. And for everyone who's listening, if you would like to ask us any question, whether to me or Ikechi, please feel free to send us a message at Blooming Crisis on all the social media platforms or email us at bloomingcrisis at gmail.com. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time. Cheers.